Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Mindset Playbook is excited to announce your opportunity to become a part of the success of Mindset Playbook podcast, as well as making the listening experience even better. Please go to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, and at the top of the page it says, find a creator and type in Mindset Playbook Podcast. Choose how you'd like to begin, and you'll instantly become a part of the family. Larry looks forward to your participation in making all of our lives even better. Well, I want to welcome everyone to Mindset Playbook, where we look at the habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations that drive our behavior, as well as the setbacks that can either hold us back from the life we want to be living or accelerate us forward. The why behind this podcast is all about making sure this once-in-a-lifetime moment now is savored, explored, and enjoyed for the adventure it is. And speaking of utilizing this moment as the adventure it is, my guest today, Kathy Twells, is all about just that and has gone so far as to create a new position professionally, bringing this moment to the forefront of life. As Senior Vice President West Region at the Coca-Cola Company, Kathy currently leads a multi-million dollar business cultivating innovation and mutual growth for Coca-Cola's customer partners for over 34 years. She served as a remarkable architect and host of the Coca-Cola CMO Leadership Summit from 2011 to 2019 to provide a source of connection and community among business leaders. In 2021, she launched the Coca-Cola Compassion Lab as a way to promote emotional agility and mental well-being in the workplace and hosts the Compassion Lab podcast to explore the power of conscious leadership and the interconnectivity of all things. Welcome, Kathy, to Mindset Playbook. Oh, thanks, Larry. So nice to be here. And I, I appreciate that introduction. I'm like, who is that person? <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to find out I myself. Wait. I can't wait to hear what's going on from talking to this person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Kathy, Kathy, we all want the moment to be an exciting, fulfilling adventure rather than more of the last moment. But let's explore conscious leadership and the interconnectivity of all things. What do you mean by conscious leadership? And what is the mission of your amazing Compassion Lab podcast all about to begin with? Oh, it's such a great question. And thank you for asking it. And, you know, it's really interesting. Words words are funny, right? We all throw around big words, but it's very wise to delve into what in the world are we really talking about <laughs> in the terms of how we're living every day? And I would answer it in the following way. You know, we're all on a journey. We have been our entire lives to see more, to understand more, to grow. Sometimes that growth is really hard, but so rewarding. 
And part of that journey is evolution. It's the most natural thing we do is to evolve. So when I use the word consciousness, it's really about us being able to rise to a higher level of understanding, of seeing, of knowing, and connecting. I think it's our better angels. It's the better part of ourselves that we are striving to achieve. And we have good days and bad days, but that's really what it is. And the word leadership also can kind of take people down a different road because it's like, oh, I'm not a leader. Everyone's a leader, but the leadership nod is really about the ripple effect that we have. So whether you are an official leader in an organization or of of a team, or whether you lead a family or lead a friendship or any way that you show up this way, your actions matter. Your actions create ripple effects. And when we are consciously aware of making these choices of being our higher selves as often as we can, everything gets better. It all gets better. So I hope that that makes some sense. I know that, yeah, very nice. Very nice. And I think the, the question that I have for you is we talk about higher consciousness as being a, a showing up as a higher version of ourselves. And the question I have is what on earth is a higher version of ourself? It's, now that that's a really good question and what immediately comes to mind is it's always changing because the best of ourselves is different at different times whether we are exhausted or triggered or whether we feel particularly confident and we're well rested and we feel more empowered because we're always fluctuating you know on these continuums of feeling really strong and sometimes feeling really weak And those moments of feeling really weak are also a part of our humanity. So they're a part of that evolution that I've already talked about. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's going to change all the time. But you talk about the moment and savoring the moment. And I think one of the hardest things that we do is to return to that moment. We're so busy thinking about what went wrong before or worrying about what's coming down the pike that we aren't present to where we are now. So when we come back to this moment, that is being our highest self. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. I think um, when I ask myself, sometimes I think in the moment, you know, I'm on a hammock. Sometimes I'm in ER, in emergency room, Mm because the stress has knocked me out. Sometimes I'm on a roller coaster and, and sometimes I'm I'm having the time of my life. Yeah. And one of the things that unfortunately happened to people is they loop a moment. Is it happened a moment ago, but they're still playing it over and over and over into the moments that they're not only experiencing now, but the ones to come. So when we talk about a higher moment being where you're conscious of the fact that this is the moment, um, I think there's a lot of raised eyebrows. There's a lot of people that understand it based on their own ability to be able to be present. You've been spending years on this. You've had some phenomenal leaders yourself and insights from people of a tremendous wisdom regarding life. Um, What do you do when you find yourself looping? 
or or you say, golly, that moment happened a day and a half ago, and I'm friggin' still living it. <laughs> what kind of triggers can we bring to the party that allow us to develop that consciousness that we are in fact doing that and then to be able to do something about it? God, your questions are so insightful. Um, and it's important to think about that because we have this negativity bias. So we tend to loop the bad moments. Not that I, maybe sometimes people loop like I was so awesome and I'm just going to loop that over and over again. But <laughs> usually the loops are, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that, or I can't believe they did that or said that. Right. Sure, you bet. And we're just stuck in suffering that we don't need to be in. And, you know, for me, when I experience that and we all do, and I do, I try to step out of the movie and out of the play. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Like, you know, scene, set, characters, action, go, right? All the time, every day. And when you can be the observer, kind of within yourself, take a step out and watch that conversation, watch that presentation, whatever was going on, and be able to not judge, blame, shame, but be like, curious about, gee, I wonder why I said that. I wonder why I was so triggered. What came up for me? And I can, instead of looping the whys and looping the suffering, I can use it as an opportunity to be like, wow, this equation of I was too booked, I was too tired, I whatever I might diagnose, let me try to not do that again. And sometimes it's not an obvious thing like that. Sometimes it might just be a little compassion. Like, I didn't handle that so well. Okay, guess what? Welcome to the human race. Let's try again and I'll do better next time. We're so hard on ourselves. We're so like, why did I do that? It's like, hey, I did it. I can do better next time. You know, you thank you for that. And um, you just said two words that we need to stop for a moment and replay because you just gave people from a neurological perspective, the answer to break the loop and, and not just say, I'm not going to think about that anymore. Like the, you know, the white dog with black ears and the red dog. <laughs> right. But, but to, but to have an alternative, because if we don't create a new script, we keep replaying the old one. Mm -hmm. So those two words were next time. And when you say next time, where does that take you? You're dealing with an issue. You found yourself getting curious now instead of judgmental and shaming and all of these things that we do since we have the negative bias. And so then you come back to the fact, okay, well, next time, where's that take you? You know, next time takes you into the future in some ways. And we're talking about trying to stay in the moment, but it it opens up new possibilities because next time to me means that I'm all there's always going to be a new scene and a new set and new players on the set and there's always going to be an opportunity for me to step into that. So when I say next time it takes me into more of a opportunity to learn, to grow, to act differently and it gives me agency. It's I don't have to just keep looping the past. I know that I can now do something with what I've learned. What do you mean it gives you agency? You know, we feel out of control all the time that 
And sometimes we are. I mean, there's a whole nother conversation <laughs> about surrendering, right, Larry? Like, how do we yeah. just accept so many things? But when everyone knows if I get stressed out, my closets get super clean because I start, <laughs> you know, controlling things. But when <laughs> we understand that we do have, we can't control all the things that are happening around us or what other people are doing. But agency means that we have a choice on how to respond to it, how to move forward, what we take from it, how we interpret it. We actually have that free will choice. That is agency to me. And it's a very comfortable, I don't know, like warm blanket when you're like, okay, I have power in this situation. I am not powerless. Beautiful. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I, I like the fact that we're talking about this elusive, elusive concept called the moment, because now that's gone. It's mm-hmm. just history that I said we were just talking about, and I liked it. But I also like the idea, too, that we never leave the moment. And, you know, the circumstances just seem to change. Mm-hmm. And the one thing we do have control over is not the circumstance, but how we talk to ourselves about the circumstance. Mm-hmm. And I think what I hear you saying is that conversation about how we talk to about ourselves about the circumstances where we're able to break ourselves from perhaps emotion that we needed to experience, but we don't need to keep re-experiencing it. Right. And and this is what I wanted to talk to you about is every one of us, as you say, as a leader. We're either leading ourselves out of bed in the morning and into it at night and everything along the way, or we're being led. And whatever role we find ourselves in, you have been a pioneer, as far as I'm concerned, in the evolution. And I say evolution in a thing of just meaning getting better, not versus creativity. But we are, you know, we're constantly getting better or we're staying the same. And so, you really emphasize in your writings and on your podcast this thing called conscious leadership. And we talked a little bit about that, but how does that impact an organization, a family, um, to the point where it becomes not just growth, but exponential growth? You know, where two times two is 12. Do you have guests you'd like Larry to interview or questions you'd like him to ask? You now have the opportunity to make us even better. Please go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and join us today. Looking forward to having you be a part of this great adventure. Yeah. Where there's a true like amplification of the potential. Yeah. And I don't remember where this come came from, so I can't cite the quote from and give credit where credit's due. But there was some research done or someone that said an organization, and I would apply that to family systems to some degree as well, can only go as far as the consciousness of the leader, which is interesting to think about because leadership, and there's a lot of different ways to define that and a lot of different books on it. Leadership is fundamentally setting the tone, setting the vision, and creating the space. You know, there's old, there's old, old terms of leadership where it's about power and control. Not the case. 
in what I would call modern leadership and what we really need to be thinking about it because it's really about creating vision, possibility, expansiveness, and space for people to step into growth. So if the leader and leaders, everyone involved in that ecosystem, we haven't really, I didn't answer your question about interconnectivity as much. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but each of us, our actions are intertwined. We have the agency of choice, but we're connected in how we kind of bounce off of each other in that. So as the leaders take the steps to raise their view, to raise their understanding, to do their personal work, to heal their wounds. I mean, we don't want to talk about trauma and baggage and survival patterns that we bring into leadership, but they impact what we do. So when we do this work, we're not only modeling it for others, but we are infusing more oxygen you know, into the environment where people feel like they can breathe and explore and grow and understand. And to me, that is the rocket ship. You get enough people in an environment and you create that not perfect journey, that very imperfect, messy, but fascinating journey. Amazing things happen when you do that. You know, you sound like you're talking about an organization that's actually articulated something greater than self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the key to which you know, and everybody knows intuitively, to getting on board on anything is when it grows us as well as the organization. Mm-hmm. And we're able to express ourselves. And I think one of the biggest challenges leaders make, you know, talked about the old model, which is when I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. We we also have the element of staying out of the how, allowing those that are that are making this vision become a reality to come up with the way that they're going to do that and being open to say yes to to even things that don't make sense right now. Yeah. Because we're so sensitive. If I come to you with an idea and you raise your eyebrow, I'm done. <laughs> totally, I know. I have we, to have tremendous self-esteem to go, do. hey, excuse me, um, Kathy, what was the raised eyebrow about? <laughs> yeah. You know, know, because I'm about ready to feel shut down here. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. that that can happen when you talk about where to go to dinner. Oh, and you yeah. make a suggestion. And the first thing someone says is, no, I don't want to go there. Well, that five-year-old in us says, well, I don't want to play then. <laughs> so <laughs> It's so crazy. And I've had times on my team. So I, I'm a very kind of big thinker, creative thinker. But if there's some crisis or some urgent thing going on at work, I will kind of, in the Herman brain model, kind of go green. I'll go into what do we need to do right now? And I'll get into of like, it's go time. And I get really focused. And I've had times where my team, because I'll just be intense and they'll be like, are you okay? Like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just like, I'm just focused. Like, let's go. And and it's, you have to really realize how you can be interpreted by other people for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 And and the other, you know, the other thing that I think is is so relevant to growing an organization and growing people are the parameters. And a lot of people have heard those as guiding principles or values or whatever. But, you know, somebody asked me one time, well, you know, how do you how do you describe 
parameters or the value of of shared va- values. And and I I just mentioned that you know there was a guy one time an old farmer who was wanted to participate in this event at the country fair. And it was who um could actually have a what was it? It was a um a pumpkin shaped like a five gallon water jug. And they, and he, and he won. I mean, it was, it was amazing the way the pumpkin <laughs> looked. And they asked him, well, how'd you do that? He said, well, got myself a five gallon jug water jug, put a little dirt in the bottom, put myself a pumpkin seed in there and it just did it all by itself. <laughs> and, wow. and That's actually and we, kind of surprising. Yeah. Isn't it? And we we grow that way. Mm-hmm. And when or and so many organizations don't get it. They have they bring some consultant in, spend two hundred grand on developing a vision and guiding principles, and then they try to get everybody to act like it. Nobody got to participate in it. Yeah. And so, what have you seen that works? effectively i mean you've you interviewed what over 25 different organizations and you know you've been involved in 39 years 25 of it in in high leadership positions for the way i understand correct me if i'm wrong you know according to gladwell you know you're you're an expert now and because of that we listen we listen to people that are authentic like you we listen to people that we resonate with like you that we feel are genuine, that don't have a hidden agenda, just for the good of everyone. I mean, you have that altruistic element that comes out in your conversation and your tone of voice. And so that being said, this can affect how a family grows or falls apart. And the same with an organization. What have you found are kind of the nuggets of, of synergies of people being able to come together and actually collaborate and wanting to do it day after day after day. Yeah. You know, you're Larry, you're very kind in your words. Thank you for that. But I don't know if I believe in experts. I do to a point where after a certain amount of time, you know, certainly Olympic athletes are experts at what they do, but I, I don't feel mean, like, I don't mean it as a lid or a ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Mean it as you might have something to share that From could make a difference. <laughs> From the road. Yeah. Right? Very, yeah. very fair. But even in that, is I think about always cultivating this beginner's mind. Because That's, as soon uh, as I think I've cracked the code, yeah. people change, generations change. COVID happens and no one's in the office. Now, how do we create connections? So you're always working on a chessboard where the pieces are being moved. And you have to go, wait a minute. Well, what what worked over here isn't going to work over mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So how do I figure this out? And what I would bring, whatever expertise I would bring would be, you don't have to. And the real pitfalls are when leaders say, I am here to save the day and figure it all out. <laughs> and I have all the answers because you don't. And no one does, but collectively, we have a lot of answers. The more I have given over the reins to my team, 
to create and to do and to step in and to take responsibility to co-create the environment in the future, the better result we get. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't a frame. It doesn't mean it's just chaos, whoever does whatever. You, you, you still frame it. You have common values like you talked about. You kind of know where you're going, but there's a lot of ways to get where you're going and people can bring all sorts of creative ideas into it. I was at dinner with another leader not that long ago and she was confiding in me some of her challenges. And she's like, you know, I just am really struggling in motivating my team, I'm really struggling in having them, you know, value me helping them here and doing that. And she was walking through this scenario and was talking about it like, I have to motivate, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and I said, motivation doesn't come from you. It is intrinsic. Every member of your team has to decide, are they in or are they not? And if they're not, there's nothing you're going to do to change that. Now, you can demotivate people. You can create a very stifling environment that will drive people out or lessen their creativity. That's true. But the upside of that is you just have to open it up and invite them in and let them choose to come in. And that to me is the unlock. And sometimes it works and sometimes it's messy, but it's always more creative. Always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You, you mentioned the word intrinsic and and, you know, we're either motivated from the outside or we're motivated from the inside or a combination of each. Mm-hmm. And most people, there's an old adage that people will die for their beliefs and and let you die for yours. Yeah. Um, and fight. I'm sorry, fight for their beliefs and let you die for yours. The, you know, the brilliance, I won't call you an expert anymore. I'll just call you brilliant. The brilliance <laughs> and wisdom in what you're sharing. Um, you have such a simplistic ability to talk about very complex organic processes. And yet your flexibility to be able to come home at night and not get your way is a challenge that many of us face. Um, some people term it ego. Some people term it to the way the reptilian brain operates, you know, that negative bias that wants us to stay the same because it's predictable and it understands it. And yet it may not make for a wonderful evening. And when you get into that argument, I've ever asked people, what are you arguing about? And they recognize it's somebody's trying to be right. Yeah. Uh, We had the whole family over not too long ago, Kathy, you know, well, not too long ago. My wife would tell me it was 10 years ago, but (laughs) uh, so all five kids and there's, there's, there's significant others and spouses, and we're all going to go to, we're all going to watch a movie. And by the time I knocked all of their movies and we got to one, watch the one I wanted, I was watching. Well done, Larry. Well done, Larry. Right. And they were all in the other room having a great time. And I started to ask myself, why did we get together to begin with? (laughs) So dad could get his way. Mm -hmm. Always. (laughs) Yeah. Dad's supposed to get his way. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little embarrassing to say the least. Took me a while to turn the TV off and go in the other room with them and apologize. But I think it's a real relevant question to ask us is what have you, how have you dealt with people that aren't doing it on purpose, but doggone it, they have just got to be right. Hmm. 
How do you succeed with that and get them on board without them taking off and working somewhere else, which is always the alternative? Oh, my gosh, Larry. I don't know if I have like the golden ticket answer to that, but here's what I would would say. I'm going to go back to what environment you choose to create, and that begins with you. So it all starts right here. So you have to start with saying, what do I stand for? What are my values? How am I going to show up? So you you do that work and then you walk in and you show up that way. You invite other people to do the same, not the way you do it, but the way they do it, true to them, true to their essence and, and their gifts and what they can bring. But there are there's a real organizational dynamic to what I would call kind of the toxicity when people come in and there's a power competitive, I need to win, you need to lose, I need to be right, you need to be wrong. And it's real. It's a real deal. And it happens every day and it happens in families and it happens in organizations. And the answer to that is not simple because in every group, you know, it's not as simple as, oh, that person has to go because that person may be very skilled and talented and have tenure and have pictures on someone, you know, so that they can't, you know, they can't go or, you know, dad can't go, you know, da- you know, dad's still got to be a part of the family, even though he wanted to watch the movie he wanted to watch. So it's a constant, like, if you build, here's what I'd say. If you keep building the consciousness towards a place of, this is how we operate through collective unity. It's an ecosystem. We we want the best for everyone. I think you start to vibrate at a different level. And some of those lower vibrations of service to self don't want to be there anymore because mm-hmm. it it's not their it's not their place. It's not yeah. the way. And so I think sometimes and they're you not can getting do that. any reinforcement either. They're not the getting any reinforcement. So I think you try to do that, but okay. it's a journey. Always, because we got all kinds of us that make the world go round. Always, you know. I remember coming home one night after traveling for a week, and and I wasn't getting my way. And so I said this profound statement that I've spent a week letting everybody else have their way. I'd like to get mine now. <laughs> and it was such a childlike response. How old did you feel when you were saying that? (laughs) Yeah. But you know, but I needed to get it out. And and nothing changed other than, you know, that was kind of a weird thing to say. But I think, you know, but you'd mentioned that it's a process and we're Uh we're not supposed to get perfect at it. You know, it's Uh it's it's something that we progress at. Yeah. And I think people there's the old statement if anybody talked to you the way you talk to you sometime Would they be a friend any longer? Nope, definitely not. Right? So we can be pretty hard on ourselves. And I think (laughs) that is something that we could, you know, kind of segue into a little bit is, you know, you, you, the people that are listening to you know you as this highly successful, articulate um, woman with a lot of insight that allows others to go, wow, I didn't think about it like that. And I think that's where real change occurs. I think more than change, I think that's where transformation lives. And and yet there's I don't know if if you've just had an error-free life. No, definitely not. 
So, <laughs> so if you don't mind, how you know you've had some setbacks. How? Why, when you had the setback, didn't you crawl in bed, pull a blanket over your head, tuck in a fetal position, and stop? Why'd you go on? I I don't think I ever felt like crawling into bed was an option. You know, it's an option for a day. But, you know, as I think about the biggest, like, dips in my life and one of them was right after college when I went into a deep depression. I hated my job. I thought, oh, my God, this is life after college. I don't want any part of it. Um, you know, it took me a while to reorient from that. I had a major illness. I've gone through divorce. I mean, it's, you know, we've all had it. You bet. But, and this sounds, oh, man, Larry, this sounds so maybe predictable or even trite, but if you said to me, all right, we can go back and you can do something that will erase that mm. outcome and change it. I'd be like, oh, absolutely not. Because going through that depression after college gave me empathy and understanding for how depression is different than being in a funk. And it also taught me that I can walk through it and get out the other side. And now I know that. And oh my gosh, I need that. And when I got really sick and ill, I learned the power of the mind-body connection. It put me on my entire trajectory for my career. And it taught me how much your body can heal. And, and I'm amazed to this day by that. My divorce taught me a million other things. My children teach me all the time. So I just believe it's all divinely guided. And I know that may sound crazy, but our setbacks are there, our most important teachers. And if they didn't happen, I think we'd have a pretty vanilla life. I don't think we'd be interesting at all because those scars, those dark nights of the soul how could I sit here on this podcast and try to claim any ounce of wisdom if I didn't go through things like that? If I just walk through, yeah. you know, easy. Yeah. So it's powerful. It's powerful. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a classic statement that just resonates with me when you share that. And it's, and, and, and I, I don't care what anybody believes because that's their choice. But the, I, but the, Statement is God gave you everything to be successful except one thing. I'm like, what did I say? What did I miss? Except for one thing. You know thing. what that is? What? Experience. Oh. And that's yeah. just what you shared with us. And and yeah. we can't, you wouldn't go back and change any of it, or mm -hmm. we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Nope. Not you know, it's kind of the butterfly effect, if you will. It's it's mm -hmm. the it's the the joy in recognizing that we're going to be in situations where we haven't seen it before. We don't know yeah. what to do, or it seems familiar. And I certainly don't want to go through this again. Mm -hmm. And sometimes then we say no to life instead of yes. Yeah. And and you, I know, have spent time and been been around others and 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 have done it with your team talked about the opportunity to explore yes yes uh, it doesn't mean you say no to everything but i remember doing a, a class on it at one time that say hey here's what i want you to do i want you to go home tonight and say 10 yeses and i don't care what the question is i want you to say yes 
And I said, so let's say I'm with my son and then I was doing this with him and he was, he was 15 and he goes, dad, can I have a hundred dollars? I said, yes, you can. Did he know if he had known your little pact, he would have upped the ante on that, but yeah, he probably would have. (laughs) Well, then there's caveats because a lot of people were like, you are out of your mind. I'm not going to say yes to everything. Well, you say yes with parameters. Because if you talk to most parents, what do they want most for their children? And they want them to be happy. They'd like them to be successful. But more than anything, they'd like them to be able to be accountable. Yeah. And so I'd go, you can certainly have $100. All you have to do is clean the garage and detail the car. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, that's okay. Well, can I still have the 100 and, and instead of going, well, no, you can't. I just told you what you needed to do. And now we go back to the old model, right? Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. As long as you. And and I think that's where we all, and I heard that from somebody. I can't take credit for that. But when I put it into practice, it was amazing how I didn't have to get into a battle. Yeah. There was no argument because all we want is permission. Our idea may not get implemented, but at least someone listened to it. Yeah. And it's clear. And it's clear. Yeah. And I think that the, so let me, let me stay on track for those of you that, um, and I apologize that I haven't looped around for new listeners that have come on. We are delighted today to have Kathy Dwells, who is, does amazing work with Coca-Cola company. And more more on the side, if you will, of, of branding the joy and happiness that if you've ever watched a commercial, recognizes what's behind this phenomenal experience of being able to enjoy a beverage with friends and yeah. all the other elements. And she took it serious. She took it and really dove into it to the point where the way I understand it, she got an idea that let's let's do something called the Compassion uh, Lab and and make it a podcast and bring in thought leaders and people that we can have conversations about the importance of finding the real meaning and and joy even in the worst situation and not that we downplay it and don't experience it, but what have you found for those that are going to tune into, and I know that they're not going to listen to me anymore once they go to your podcast. I'm teasing when I say that, but when <laughs> but I encourage it's them to ex- I, yeah, I encourage them to explore. What is it that you're attempting to accomplish with the Compassion Lab podcast? Thank you for the question. And I would expand it out into really the whole compassion lab program and the podcast you know for many many years from 2011 to 2019 was the cmo summit that i know you referenced earlier and that the podcast actually was born from that event because Mm. we had so much intellectual capital people saying so many great things and i'm like oh my gosh we can't lose this we need to have it memorialized and and keep sharing it 
And then it became, well, you know, we have this event once a year and we have like 10 speakers, but you can't just dump 10 episodes at one time. Well, let me, let me do some interviews in between. Let's add more content and, you know, how life just things to start to grow. COVID hits, the summit stops. Mm. You know, we go through all of that together. And, you know, this whole idea of mental wellness and the challenges, it's not new. I mean, mental health issues have been existing for a very, very long time, but COVID really brought it to the forefront because there Mm. was a collective trauma. And I think people were just talking more about how they were handling and managing things. And for many, many years, there was like a separation of church and state, right? It's the work world and your personal life, off hours, none of my business, you do you, but at work, put on your your dress blues, put on your mask, smile big and go do go do your job, go right? Yeah. And I love to see that we're evolving in the workplace into seeing the whole person. And the lab was born out of making that conversation within the company normalized and welcome and creating community around that conversation. So it would not be uncommon for many years to hear like, oh, well, there's a gym in that corporate headquarters or let's count our steps together. So physical wellness was understood. If you have physical strength, you're going to be able to show up and do your job. But the unseen part of that, our mental wellness is really important. So the lab was born to address that. And so the Summit podcast just pivoted into the Compassion Lab. And we do speaker series and we do leader-led sessions and we do journeys that are about exploration of different things like how to manage your energy, how to understand you know, the neuroscience or biological impacts of what happens when you live in fight or flight and living in certain um, states of mind and bringing people together to say like, yes, I'm overwhelmed. And yes, I have this challenge. And no, I don't have it all figured out as social media would have you think everyone has it all figured out and are having stunning vacations and amazing relationships. That's not true. Um, So it's just letting everyone have this big exhale of like, okay, like, let's Let's talk about it, but not admire the problem. Let's say, what can we do to help? Mm. What are some skills and practices and things that can help us all on the journey be a little more peaceful, a little more relaxed, a little less road rage, whatever we need to do. Um, and it's as simple as that. So the podcast is really a, the, I would say the external mirror of that where, you know, I really want to bring in content to to augment those conversations. But we're growing and we're learning. That's why we call it a lab because uh, we're trying to figure out, you know, how to do this well and kind of get this new frontier launched in the corporate space. Uh, I uh, I could go on and on and on. I've got one question after another, but but we have come to the time <laughs> when, when we have to wrap this up. And I'm I'm uh, very disappointed, but I'm also <laughs> been just absolutely uh, thrilled to be able to have this conversation with you. I think it's very relevant. It deals with many things that a lot of us are going through, and I think the transparency is where the real growth occurs when we realize we're not alone, and that not everybody's on a cruise, and not everybody has got the best romance, and not everybody and we know that we know that intellectually, mm-hmm. 
but it still puts an idea in our head that this is something that I should attempt to obtain by myself. Yeah. And the first setback kind of discourages people more than encourages. Yeah. And uh, you've been so encouraging. And I, I'm just uh, grateful. And I know our our listeners are so glad that they tuned in. They had no idea what they were going to get. <laughs> and um and they 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 got more than than I know that they could have possibly imagined. And we thank you for that and the work that you've been doing. And I want you to know, and not that you don't already, but you make such a wonderful difference in the lives of those that you touch. And I know we had a chance to meet for coffee. And I was I was I was a different person when I left. I I was renewed, I was encouraged. You were you were so thoughtful and such a good listener as you've as you've been on this podcast. And I don't think that too many people, when they find go through the grocery line and they find out that the cashier has just a phenomenal sense of humor, do they acknowledge it? And we, we need to start doing that. We need to have a good experience and let people know about it. Otherwise, who knows what they're dealing with. And what's happened in their life. And you do that. You do that for people. So I was in the grocery line. I met you and um, you made a difference in my life. To to wrap it up with everything that's going on and all of the impact that has taken place in people's lives, you know, self-doubt begins to creep in. and. I want you to kind of wrap it up for us, if you would, and share some idea, um, something that you do when that door gets knocked on, that who the hell do you think you are? Um, there you go again. Um, that that gives people something to walk away with beyond what they, we've already talked about. And then how do they find the the podcast? And And we'll wrap it up with that. All right. Thank you, Larry. And again, thank you for your kindness and your affirmation. It is, it fills the cup (laughs) to hear it. And when your desire and intention is to be of service, it's good to hear that that translates. So thank you. And I would mirror back that you, I talk a lot about creating the space as a leader. You have to create the space to co-create that's what we do now. That's what really any podcast or any human conversation is, whether it's recorded or not, is a co-creation of something better and a better way of understanding. But to answer the question about that self-doubt, that inner critic, I would almost say, how dare we not embrace our own power? Because versus saying, who am I, or how dare I think I'm this, or I'm just not that, I think the biggest epidemic in our society now is people not knowing how incredibly powerful and beautiful they are. And that voice has been, the the negative voice has been amplified by cultural norms, sometimes unintended family conversations all kinds of ways that we start to forget who we are. So I would just implore anyone who finds this conversation to know your own beauty and power exactly as you are, 
not when you get something, lose weight, look this way, attain a title, none of it, but exactly as you are. Because to come full circle on what raising consciousness is, is to know that we are all perfectly imperfect on a road to something better. And every step we take to love ourselves and the beauty that we are elevates everybody. So it's my hope that we can all do that together. That was absolutely, not to quote a commercial, but priceless. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. And thank you for your time. And uh, I, I, I know you know how valuable you are. But I want you to know from myself, and I'm sure from my listeners, or they'd stopped listening to me a long time ago, um, is you're spot on. And your humility is just speaks volumes to making your message even that much more powerful. And thank you for reminding me that I'm not perfect, nor do I need to be. <laughs> you a, don't need to be. That's very refreshing. You don't. Uh, And I want to thank all our listeners. You had a ton of choices and we thank you for choosing us. And when we started out about savoring the moment, I think you've got a lot of insight on how to do that now and and just recognize that as, as you heard from Kathy, you are more amazing than you'll ever give yourself credit for if you don't start giving yourself credit now. So thank you for that. Thank you, Kathy. And, um, On behalf of myself and Kathy, we want to thank you again and uh, have a most wonderful moment. Take care. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, everyone. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Major General Greg Martin, Ph.D., is a retired 36-year Army combat veteran with a remarkable career. He commanded an engineer company, battalion, and the 130th Engineer Brigade in combat and held prestigious roles such as the president of the National Defense University, commander of Fort Leonard Wood, and commandant of the Army War College. A survivor of bipolar disorder, Greg's resilience in the face of mental health challenges is awe-inspiring. Alongside his military achievements, Greg is an accomplished author known for his book Bipolar General, My Forever War with Mental Illness, where he candidly shares his personal struggles and triumphs. Buckle up for this one and be ready to be inspired and leave with an anything-can-happen attitude.